Hey, everybody. Today we're discussing chapters 5 and 6 of Discipling, which describe the centrality of the local church and the roles of all church members in caring for and discipling one another. On the heels of our New Year's Essential Sermon series, the importance and role of the local church is hopefully understood and rather top of mind. So I'm assuming we're on the same page there, that the local church is God's plan A for the Great Commission. I want to focus then on what it looks like for DCC and our community specifically. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, gives us this beautiful description of the church. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We see in verse 11 that there are different leadership roles in the church. Sometimes these are referred to as ministries of the word because they have to do with the clear communication of God's truths. That's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And though they're different roles, they are each given for a common purpose, namely to equip the saints for the work of ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. But this isn't limited to the role of leaders because he continues to say that we all, the whole body of believers, are to grow up into every way into him who is the head, that is Christ. And then he re- reiterates the every member ministry by saying that the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so we all have a role to play in the work of the ministry and the building up of the church. Dever applies this understanding to our church structures on page 68. He writes this, Churches don't need programs so much as they need cultures of discipling, cultures where each member prioritizes the spiritual health of others. And you'll notice that at DCC, we don't have many programs, but we do talk a lot about our discipleship in the context of meaningful relationships. And our communities are the forefront of those relationships. And so we all, as leaders of our communities, have a unique role that is both doing the work of ministry and also equipping those in our communities to continue doing the work of ministry. This is why we ask our leaders to be character qualified as outlined in scripture. And we talk about the work of leading a community as an elder-esque kind of function because we share in the shepherding and the care for a part of God's flock. Our communities are essential and central part of how we want to and see discipleship happening in our church. I want to take a minute here and paint the big picture of our discipleship to see how it all fits together, especially as we continue to adjust various aspects as we've continued to grow as a church. So first and foremost, Sunday gatherings are an essential and fundamental component of our discipleship. Being gathered in corporate worship, sitting under the read and preached word, and praying together are all part of how we grow in our knowledge, love, and trust of the Lord. We talk about this as a necessary but not alone sufficient for discipleship. That is, we absolutely need to be gathered for worship, prayer, and instruction in the Word, but this by itself does not bring about meaningful discipling relationships that equip the the saints for the work of ministry. 
So then the next piece of this, for those who are new to our body, or perhaps even those are, that are exploring Christianity, recently become or renewed in their faith, we invite these folks to join us with the Foundations class. This class covers the very basics of what it means to be a Christian, to be part of the local church, and who we are as a people of DCC. This class has been set to set a common understanding, or foundation if you will, for the folks who are going to be part of our body. From that foundations class, then we invite folks to take steps to further participate and become part of our family. So to be giving financially, to serving with their time and talents, to join a community and to pursue membership. We see each of these as part of an individual's discipleship, taken in parallel, not as a menu of options, but concurrent steps of faith, how they can then begin to live in light of the good news for them in our local body. Then, of course, community, as you all know, is where we get to discuss and digest and apply the word to our lives. Our communities are the central place that meaningful discipling relationships can form. It's also the place where we can learn and test our gifts and how we are equipped to build up the body and to live out the one another's on a daily basis. Our communities are also the front lines for caring for those in need, both in spiritual and material needs. Once folks have landed in a community, it's our hope that they also get plugged into a discipleship group. This is why we talk about communities as the common starting point for our DGs, because they're already in meaningful discipling relationships with other people there. Remember, it's not our expectation that the community leads or the women's discipleship leads be in every single DG, but we do expect that our community leads and women's discipleship leads would be helping to facilitate the creation and the ongoing health of those discipleship groups. And lastly, classes do play a role in our discipleship as well. We said classes are not a replacement for community or discipleship groups, uh, but they are meant to help folks grow in particular areas of interest in depth. Generally, we've asked the folks to be taking the foundations class first, or at least in conjunction with any of the midweek classes. And if someone's decided to take a class for a season in place of community, our hope is that they'd return to their communities and even to share what they've learned. So that's the big picture of our discipleship. I hope how you can see how it all fits together and what an important and central role you all play in helping folks grow in their faith through your leading in our communities. Now, I'd like to address one of the particular challenges that we face in our body and our communities, which is this, the transient nature of our urban context in downtown Seattle 2019. On a recent Sunday this fall during the sermon, Adam asked for a show of hands for those that were not from Seattle, and it was more than 90% of those on, in attendance. We didn't go on to dissect this data any further, though I definitely wanted to. Um, so we don't know just how many people have been here for a year or two or five. But this exercise was really enlightening for me. And it is really shaping how I understand our community life. In the one year that I've been in this role overseeing our communities, we've had either a leader change, a location change, or a turnover of the community members in almost every one of our communities. And some communities have experienced even more than that. So when people ask about our community life, I tend to use the word dynamic. And that's a reality for us that we need to understand and how we care for those who are currently in our communities, as, how, as well as how we approach discipling potential leaders. There are five things that I want us to consider on this topic, though I'm sure there are others. First, we should expect that there will be movement as part of our life together and live in such a way while expecting it without keeping a distance. Our primary purpose in community is to foster meaningful, discipling relationships. And the fact that some folks might be leaving can tempt us to keep things shallow or to avoid getting real and vulnerable with others. 
but we must walk this tension to build authentic community and seek to make meaningful relationship with those who are in our care for as long as they're in our care. Second, we should encourage commitment in community, in church membership, and in stewarding their gifts and leadership. Commitment is like a bad word in our day and age, but it's essential for us to be a healthy church and for our communities to be healthy. Many of us have experienced seasons where we have a core group of 8 to 10 folks in our communities with another 10 to 20 rotating through coming once in a while or whenever convenient. This makes it really hard to build meaningful relationships, and so we need to gently and lovingly invite those folks who aren't making a community a priority to do so. Often, this behavior is rooted in the consumeristic understanding that community is primarily about what can I get from community rather than what can I bring to community, and that's a discipleship issue. That same consumer mentality leads many away from church membership, which then limits how well we can care for each other because we're not committed to each other. And not surprisingly, if folks aren't committed to community or to the church and membership, it will be impossible for them to commit to using their gifts for the upbuilding of the church in really meaningful ways, such as an apprenticing or leading a community. So we need to be emphasizing the importance of commitment in our communities, membership, and leadership for the good of those folks as well as for the good of our body. Thirdly, realizing that many folks may only be in Seattle for two to three years, we should start discipling others quickly. To this last point, encourage people to jump in and get connected right away, to become a member, to start serving, to be praying for our body, to be supporting the church financially and with their talents, and to take steps to grow in their faith. Two to three years can see a lot of growth in a person. Sadly, I think we all know folks who sat on the sidelines because they thought they would only be around for three or six months, and then that timeline got extended by three months at a time, and in the end, they've been around for two years but never built meaningful relationships. So encourage the folks in your communities to steward the time that they do have, however long that will be. Specifically, as it relates to us identifying new leaders, I'd encourage you to be inviting those who have shown some potential in some form of apprenticeship as soon as they're a member. Knowing that this process can take some time as well, we can go ahead and get started kind of quickly. We still want people to be known before they lead, but they can certainly do that while growing and learning in an apprenticeship or an intentionally discipling relationship. Fourth, related is our own mobility and transience. We too may move or encounter new life seasons with career changes or new babies or unexpected needs in our families. And so it is also part of our care for communities to ensure that the community can continue to thrive even if we are gone. This is done through our raising up of new leaders in community. Now, I hope that it's clear through our study already that this isn't the only time that we should be raising up new leaders, but it is certainly a minimum part of our responsibility as a leader. And fifth, and finally on this point, we need to persevere and not be discouraged if people that we invest in leave. Realizing our investment is in Jesus' church, and that is not hindered if, in, if we help somebody grow and then they leave Seattle. If they get plugged into another Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, gospel-preaching church and start to lead there, that's a win. Jesus' church goes beyond the walls of DCC, and we're called to love those who God has sovereignly put here for the time that they are here, which is a reminder to us that it's not all about us, that we're part of this bigger story that Jesus is writing. Our call is still to do them spiritual good while they're in our care. So with that, let's pray. Father, thank you for the ways that you've designed your church to build itself up in love with the various gifts that you've given and provided to each member. 
I pray, Lord, that you would continue to equip us for the work of ministry through your word and through the work of our elders as they preach and teach. I ask that you would continue to draw our communities closer to you and to each other as they seek to do spiritual good to each other. And I specifically ask that you'd strengthen, encourage, and inspire the men and women who lead our communities and listening here to do this work with great peace and joy, trusting your presence and your work through their efforts. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.